Are you the CEO of your life in biz? I'm Emily Alderson, and I'm on a mission to elevate the beauty industry one success story at a time. If knowledge is power and seeing is believing, imagine what could happen if you expanded your mind to the possibilities. What kind of shift could you make happen? This is Stories with Stylists. doing it. Okay. Hello and welcome to Stories with Stylist. Um, Our guest Deandra today has um, a long list of hats, I guess you could say, that she wears as far as titles in the industry. So I'm super excited to um, share her with you, get to know what she's up to and how she helps and encourages stylists um, to make six figures in their business and beyond. Um, It's not just what you can do behind the chair, but all sorts of other different places throughout the industry. She does education for a a brand. She teaches cosmetology school. Now she teaches cosmetology school online. (laughs) So, and she's working on a course that will be launching in January on um, how to use Instagram for growing your business, specifically for hairdressers. So that's super exciting. Welcome, Deandra. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Like, I'm so excited and honored to be here. Perfect. So my first question for everybody always is, where are you from and what led you to cosmetology? Well, I am originally from Tacoma, Washington, and that's Washington State, um, because everyone always thinks D.C. Uh, So I'm originally from Washington State, but I currently live in California. And uh, honestly, Cosmetology was my second career. My first career was uh, advertising and public relations. I worked for an advertising firm in Atlanta for two years uh, after graduating from college. And I did that and hated it. And I realized I only did it because I was discouraged from doing hair. Um, Even though there's pictures of me pretending to um, curl hair, pictures of me playing with my dolls, messing with my um, dad's hair. Like there's just pictures of me doing that as a kid all along the way. But I was told that hairstylists don't really make money and that I should go to college and I should get a real job. And I'm like putting that in quotations, real job. And um, so I, (laughs) I did that and I went to college and Um, graduated and just found a career that I thought I would like and ended up hating it. Uh, But because I was making so much money out of, well, so much money to me as a new, um, you know, new adult entering the workforce, I wasn't going to quit. What led me to quit that was I got laid off. So it was around 2009 when we hit that, um, recession and I don't want to do too many dates so you guys are like wait how old is she yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was around that time and um, I ended up getting laid off and I went through a little depression and my mom told me like I moved back home to my mom and all that good stuff and she was like so you have two years to get it together. You can't stay here forever. Cause I was like, not even attempting to look for jobs. I was literally in my room that I stayed in 
as a high schooler with my high school pom-poms and prom <laughs> pictures still up. And um, I decided to go to cosmetology school and that's kind of what led my career to all that somewhere in today. <laughs> Did you, so you've always loved doing hair and playing with hair, but when you were kind of in your bedroom thinking about things, did somebody mention cosmetology school? Did your mom bring it up again? Or how do you think you were like, you know what, I'm going to try this? I just went back to it. Well, my sister who is, um, she has her own production company. She kind of always encouraged me to just go with what I want to do. So my sister just kind of put the bug in my ear, like, well, why not, you know, go to Cosmo school? And I was thinking like, why would I pay to go to school again? Mm -hmm. Um, but she encouraged me to just kind of look into it. And I did, and I decided to pursue it. But during that time, I think when it's your second career and you see that you're a little bit older than the new students, um, that can be a little depressing as like <laughs> straight out of high school, know what they're going to do. And you're older with, kid, with a kid um, trying to figure it out. It can be a little intimidating, but I decided to just power through it. That's so cool. Did you enjoy your experience? Uh, in Cosmo School? I absolutely yeah. did. I found that I went to Gene Warriors Academy in um, Federal Way, Washington, and they were so supportive in me figuring that whole thing out, um, telling me the past. Um, just they were super supportive. So I did enjoy Cosmo School, and I built some really good relationships that kind of helped me get into like education and, and, you know, being a brand ambassador and all that good stuff. So I would say I absolutely enjoyed it. And then what did life look like after that? So you get your license and then it's like, all right, now what do I do? Broke. <laughs> <laughs> Broke because you got to build a clientele now, right? Mm -hmm. And you got to figure out what you're doing. So I ended up finding a salon home and um, luckily for me the owner she was very sweet she is actually my mentor she guided me and helped me build my clientele um, and this was all in Washington only for me to realize that I wanted to work in TV film and I decided to move to California where my sister lived <laughs> cool yeah so how far did you actually build up a clientele in Washington or I did. Um, I built up a clientele in Washington. I was getting pretty busy, enough for me to become a booth renter. Um, and I started changing like how that salon was marketing because my background at that point was advertising and marketing. I was um, just so going to ask you, <laughs> when did that come into play? Yeah. Yeah. So I started helping the owner. Um, we would do promotional um events and you know just like fun community things uh we would do promotions once a month i started just kind of changing her strategy and how she was doing things um because the salon was just outside of fort lewis which is an active military base mm -hmm. and so you had a lot of women who wanted their hair done and like still look feminine but they were part of the military um so i was like we need to reach out to that target audience and you know so i was really putting different bugs in her ear. So that is how like Cosmo and marketing merged together. Um, but, you know, I just felt like there was more because Tacoma, if anyone even knows where that is, it is 
really small and I just felt like there's something more for me you know what I mean like I, mm -hmm. I can be doing something more so you took kind of a leap of faith and just moved to California I moved in with my sister and quickly realized that I need my own place. <laughs> uh, we are very close, but I just feel like there's only one queen in a castle. And so it was just like, yeah, I got to do something else. So she, she was very helpful in helping me find a place to live and get acclimated to California because I came to California with no plan. And so I just was like, I want to work in TV and film and California is where I need to be. And my sister lives there already. So I'm going to live with her. And that was the extent of that. Well, um, I found out that I had to start over in a sense of clientele, yeah, in a sense of understanding how the consumer now wants their hair because how they want their hair in Washington is different than California. And so I went, uh, I felt more comfortable with assisting first. So I assisted in a salon in Beverly Hills and um, didn't build And then, um, went to another salon in Pasadena, started building a clientele there. And then I decided that um, I needed to build a, salon, a clientele where I lived, which was in the Valley. And I just started building there, which actually marketing strategy, going back to that, I put myself where there was a need. So, you know, one of the things is whenever you are building your business or whenever you're starting a business you have to solve a problem right like that's how people want you and i decided that i would be in this tiny corner in a beauty supply and i would build my clientele fast that way because what were people doing they were going to the beauty supply to purchase hair or whatever right and I could be there to answer their questions as a licensed professional mm -hmm. and then tell them like, hey, I do hair right in the back here if you want to. And so I did that for like six months and built a clientele fast. Wow. And did you ever end up working in TV or film? Loosely. So I did some independent TV and film. I did um, like there's a sh there's a network called UMC. I did a, a small show on there but I realized I didn't care for it as much because when you're with when you have children um it's very much uh can easily be 12 hour days for yeah. long periods of time and I just felt like as a mom I wasn't ready to commit that time not saying moms can't do it but it just for me it didn't work out yeah it is such a kind of a well, not kind of, it's a very niche part of the industry. Um, I dabbled in it a little bit. Um, it was a lot of like being on call, which yeah. didn't work for me. You know, like yeah. I want to know what tomorrow looks like. I don't want to get a call in the morning and be like, can you come at three? It was yeah. too stressful, but it's, it was exciting. And it was like, it was neat to, you know, try out, I guess. It's really stressful though. Like, I guess if you're a planner, and, I, and it sounds like you are, you're a planner like me. It's like, what do you mean? Like, I've already planned my day and you want me to come in right. at three? Yeah. 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 Like, Not oh, and work. to LA. Like, yeah. By the way, it takes an hour to get here with traffic. Yeah. 10 miles away. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't work out for my life as like I thought it would. Um, and so I didn't continue that path. Yeah. But it still got you to California and got you 
to doing different things, right? So, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't dis, I didn't let dislike that period of time. And I still, I found that I like getting the actors and actresses dressed for red carpet because mm. that's like a day of like semi chaos, but it was just wonderful to kind of work with um, some of them, like one of the actresses I work with, she was on a Disney show, Casey Undercover, and I got to do her hair and makeup for all, when that show was really popular, most of her red carpet events, and that was fun to me, and it was just a day. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? and you know what the day is gonna look like, and it's just like one fun, exciting thing. Yeah, and that was, I absolutely enjoyed that. Yeah, cool. Okay, so you're working out of this beauty supply, and then what comes next? I decide, <clears throat> excuse me, I decide that I want to open my own salon. <laughs> um, and it's so funny because like, I literally, I believe in um, visualizing, hold on one second. <clears throat> I believe in visualizing what you want to see for your life. And I remember thinking like, man, I really, I, you know, I'm building a clientele. I'm, you know, doing what I want to do, but I feel like I, I want to open my own salon. And so I'm like, I myself there that week I'm driving to beauty supply and I see a salon a sign that says fully furnished salon for lease and I was just like oh I pull over call my (laughs) husband then boyfriend I want to open this salon you need to come see it I'm gonna call the number and meet me there and he was like uh okay and And was this something that you guys kind of had to kind of like talked about before no (laughs) He's like, wait, what? (laughs) Yeah, no. So I got all the specifics on what it would take. And then we put our blood, sweat, and tears into making that a salon that we liked. Um, He and um, my father in love, he, uh, they completely did the salon. They patched up holes, painted walls, um, built furniture, I mean, everything, um, helped with electricity, everything. And then my husband actually quit his job. Remember he was just boyfriend then he quit his job to be the manager of the salon. So now we're just on one income. Yeah. And like full family business all in. All in. And it worked. Um, it did work. It did well. And then, um, I just, Honestly, I think I didn't have, because I didn't have a plan in place when it came to opening a salon, I feel like um, when things started changing for me, like we did end up getting married, we had another baby, you know, we, it was just a lot. It, I felt like, okay, I need to take a step back because I was doing everything. And so then I decided to move into a suite and then that's where all the hats that I currently wear, um, that's when all my hats kind of um, changed and my direction of my career changed. Will you talk a little bit about people that, um, just to give people some kind of idea or comfort or inspiration around like, okay, I want to have a salon and then maybe it doesn't end up being the right thing and what it really feels like to step away 
from that and know that that was the right decision and it wasn't necessarily like a bad thing or a failure or anything like that? Yeah. So I think when I became very overwhelmed and I actually had like a little anxiety attack, like I thought I was having a heart attack and um, went to the emergency room and they were like, um, they were like, hold on, <laughs> um, you're a little young for a heart attack. But what ended up happening was I took on so much so fast and I'm a perfectionist in the sense of I really wanted to work. I'm going to work. I'm going to grind. I'm going to hustle. And it just became a lot. And something um, inside of me was like, you need to take scale back, focus on Deandra and it's okay because it does feel like a failure when you're going from a beautiful salon to a suite. And I had to keep telling myself, like, you're in a transition, you're in a path. Mm -hmm. um, and when I finally turned in my keys to the salon, and at this point, I was pretty pregnant, like I was maybe, I think, what she was due in July and it was June that we closed the doors and my husband was packing things up and um, I, I just felt a sense of relief. Like, mm. wow, I, I'm okay with this. But it, it wasn't like, oh, relief, I'm letting it go. It took, it was processed. It was first like, dang, I failed at this. Um, or well, actually it was first, okay, something has to change because you're physically you're actually not healthy. And then from there it was, okay, I need to change some stuff and transition. And then from the transition, letting go of the fact that you won't have a salon. Letting, I only, it was small, I only had two hairstylists there, but telling them well in advance so they didn't feel left in the dust. Sure. And then from there, the relief. So it was almost like a grieving period, right? Yeah. Like, it was steps to, to the grieving period and but I I was okay with it when it was said and done and so if anyone ever goes through that transition I always feel like whatever is supposed to happen happens and even if you were you know this was your goal to have this big amazing salon that doesn't mean it can't happen later in life it just means that at this moment you are you are meant to take a different path and had I not been a hairstylist and you know own my own salon I don't think I could be a good business coach today and speak to various um hairstylists about their path if I truly never went through it sure and yeah and you've kind of done all of it and circled back around when did you start teaching at the cosmetology school actually when I was um when I owned a salon I decided that I wanted to break up my day a bit and one of my um, friends, she was like, well, why don't you teach at cosmetology school? You could work part-time. It's like a day and a half. It'll break up your week. And I was like, huh, okay. So I put in a, a resume and um, to be clear, it's it was at a college. So you do need to like have X amount of experience in the industry and you either need your AA or your bachelor's or master's. And so, um, you know, I had all that and I put in my application I didn't hear anything for seven months and for me whenever I have a thought and I was like well I'll just try it and if it's for me then I'll get it if not then I won't get it well mm -hmm. seven months goes by and I was like oh I'm not gonna get it that's fine but then they called me 
And at that time I was three months pregnant and I was like, oh, okay, sure. And I, I felt like that was good because I was definitely not going to work behind the chair as much as I was before being pregnant. Sure. So I was like, oh, this might be a good break for me. Um, so I started working at um, the college, let me see, uh, two years ago. Yeah, I'm going, I'm entering my third year. So two years ago. Is, I mean, I know when I went to school, it was very kind of um, state board readiness. That's essentially all that we learn. And we learn from the book. Are you able, like, do you have a strict um, curriculum that you have to follow? Or are you able to implement like your own kind of learnings into things? So what I absolutely love about the program is that we do follow state board regulations, but we have like these advanced classes that we teach like current techniques and even some old school techniques that people still ask for. So we still teach finger waves, even though finger waves aren't on state board anymore, but like all of a sudden you see, you know, um, people wearing on the red carpet finger waves, you know what I mean? So like trends repeat itself and we are able to put a little taste of our own um, experience in there on top of state board regulations. So that's what I really love about the program. And then they even have a business uh, part called professional development where we kind of get them career ready, which I didn't get that in middle school. That's huge. <laughs> yeah, and I teach that. Um, I teach that class, which actually gave me the aha moment the first time I taught it, which was my first year. Um, that gave me the aha moment of knowing, like, oh my god, like I could totally help other hairstylists, and I felt like there was a gap, right? Like there was a gap from Cosmo School into the real world like I didn't mm -hmm. I don't know if maybe because normally they tell you like after you graduate from school you'll start making money or whatever there was just a gap on how to prepare myself to do that and um that actually gave me the idea that there should be some sort of a business coach specifically for hairstylists it's such a niche industry and um yeah, you just kind of find that people don't really get what you do or what your day looks like or even how many hats you wear just as a booth rental stylist, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and then also the, just like you had people tell you like, oh, you can't make money at this. You need to go to college. You got to get a real job kind of thing. Even people that sit in your chair kind of have that like, oh, maybe one day you'll own your own salon. It's like, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, I feel like we're the most, one of the most underappreciated uh, fields. And I feel yeah. like it wasn't until the pandemic did people realize not like people could go without doing their hair, right? Like, it's not like you're going to die if you don't get your hair done. However, the way you feel when you don't get it done affects a lot of other things yeah. and I think people realize that also if you looked at your news reporters they were looking a hot mess <laughs> 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 so it was it was almost like wait a minute we do like I actually had text messages from clients telling me like I miss you I can't wait to get these grays gone um help like 
short of, hey, you want to meet me around the corner and do my hair anyway? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that's, they realized that I was a big part of their lives and yeah. that they, that was something that they didn't want to not have. And yeah. so, um, and, you know, there, we can go back and forth of like what's essential and what's not. But I think that when you know you look good, you feel better and you feel like you can take on more stuff, right? That's why, like, you know, sometimes you think like, oh, what are we doing? Okay, let me put my face on. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's a it's a thing. And I feel like we end up being a little underappreciated, but people are starting to realize like, wait, we, she's necessary or he's necessary or they are someone that I always want to um, like be a part of what I have going on. And um I do think that that attitude has kind of shifted. Like even so when we got to open up the first time, my clients were coming back and giving me big tips and they were like, you're essential. And I was like, oh, okay. yeah, I know. So many people are like, you're essential. I don't know what they're talking about. It was yeah. really nice. I think, you know, just in realizing that part of their self-care was actually getting their hair done, part of like having nice hair made them feel good. And I think that's self-care and that's important. And then also just the value of what we actually do. Like they just come in, they see us do the same thing every time and they think, oh, that's easy. And then they're standing there in front of their bathroom mirror with the bowl and the brush and they're like, how do I, wait, what do I do? Yep. You know, it's like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, that's what I, that's what I do, you know, oh, yeah. that's why I'm the professional. Yeah, I, I absolutely. For stylists to see their worth in that way as well. Um, absolutely. I think that when we look back on, you know, this whole pandemic, it gave us a, a moment as hairstylists to appreciate ourselves, right? And then our customers to appreciate us, but then it also helped us put some things into perspective like okay I kind of work a bit too much right mm -hmm. or like I don't like to I mean we always say balance balance life balance life but like realizing that a lot of your time and energy goes into your work and not so much your family and I think a lot of us kind of scaled back and then some people were like I don't want to do this anymore <laughs> a lot of people left and so we're in this big shift in our industry right now and you know I think it's a positive shift because I think we'll have more we're getting more value in our lives besides just doing hair you know yeah I mean I, one of my favorite sayings is change happens outside the comfort zone and I think we're all uncomfortable right now so these big yeah. shifts are happening and you kind of have to like ride the wave or drown you know, yeah. In, yeah. in a sense but I think I think it is an exciting time if you're growing your clientele if you're wanting to do new things and using social media in that way you know clients still want to get their hair done and if their stylist has decided that they don't want to do this anymore they need a home so mm -hmm. what would you say around um you know getting your Instagram right marketing online and that sort of thing so I think the biggest thing is that you actually need a strategy and a plan that makes Instagram and marketing not stressful. Um, and so the biggest thing is that it's time for you to realize that you can't just be a hairstylist. You have to be a business owner, a photographer, a financial chief officer, and a marketing strategist. 
And, you know, I just listened to this uh, workshop recently that talked about that the talent, which is, you know, doing the actual hair gets paid the least in most in most uh, businesses, if you think about it. And I was like, wow, that is crazy. And not saying, you know, you can be a subpar hairstylist, but it means like you have to put the same amount of attention into those things. And so what I did, cause I remember I, I, there was a minute where I felt Instagram was like too much, right? Because when mm -hmm. I built my clientele in Washington, it was during a time where there was no such thing as Instagram and Facebook was like kind of new and it was mostly for college students, right? And so it wasn't like I could post my work on Facebook and people would find it and be like, oh, I'm going to go see Deandra. It wasn't that at all. So um, what ended up happening was I, um, I finally found a process that worked the best for me. And that's what everyone should do. And the reason why you need to wear a few hats is because you need to kind of have a bit of knowledge. So photographer in the sense that um, you need to understand lighting, right? And make your pictures appealing. And then getting a system in place on, okay, I'm not going to post on Instagram every single day, five times a day, but doing something that's consistent with you helps you know, for me, I post Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, 7 a.m. And when I what I do is I actually plan my posts the Sunday before so that it's relevant. And the Sunday before, I just sit down and I just think about like, okay, what am I posting? And I look at my um, posts. But, um, you know, in the course I'm launching in January, I get like super detailed on what that looks like as far as um, how do you post, when to post, how do you make yourself searchable, how do you uh, figure this into your schedule, and so like I said in January, um, I'll be launching that course Instagram Savvy where it really breaks down how you can make Instagram work for you. That's so exciting. I think the biggest thing too is like you said, like finding what works for you and then really investing your time and your money into learning how to do something the right way versus just fumbling around <laughs> and trying to figure it right. out on your own, you know, like just pay somebody who knows what they're talking about. Right. And, learn and, see, it. and see, the thing is, I think sometimes we're like, well, I'll just learn it and then I'll do it for free. But then you spend all these hours searching and researching. And then that's when it becomes overwhelming when you could have just taken a class on how to do it and spent what 50 bucks or a hundred dollars or whatever. And then you get, you know, long-term gain from that. And mm -hmm. so I, and I think that it comes with like maturity in your business, like realizing like if there's a, an expert in this, why am I like spending hours on hours? Yeah. Like I'll just do the class or I'll just go to the, ed, you know, continued education courses or whatever it may be to mm -hmm. um, get ahead of that. I, I feel like, I mean, having been in this industry a long time and going through the ups and downs of it, I feel like one of the biggest things that led me to like major burnout and almost like completely quitting was just that, like trying to do everything on my own, not delegating anything, not really investing where I needed to. And, you know, it doesn't matter how much the course is, it's the return on investment. So when you can say like, okay, this course was 50 bucks, that's not even a haircut, you know, right. <laughs> like, come on. And if I get all these clients out of it, yeah, I, I think it's just mindset and maturity. 
Absolutely. And you know, what's so funny is like, there's a lot of classes and people during this pandemic are offering them for little to no money. Like I am currently, you know, educating for Keratin Complex. And the reason why I can wear these hats comfortably is because everything transitioned online. Mm -hmm. And so literally I can log off with you and then go downstairs and do my Keratin Complex class. Like it's that simple, but um, like even that company that educate for, they started doing free education all day, Monday, learn how to do keratin treatments, learn how to do, um, color learn. And they were just giving it away. And the reason why is because they realized that people were shut down and education drives sales. So yeah. if I give them this education, then they will purchase product to, do on their clients. And so that's why education is so inexpensive right now. I just was thinking because, you know, these big brands are doing a lot of like giving it away for free. I do kind of feel like there is value in spending, you know, like when you spend on a course, I feel like you invest in it in a way that's kind of different. Um, what do you think about like, free courses like through a major company and then like the independent educator doing their thing and feeling comfortable charging what they feel like their product is worth so i think the big companies i'll say this when big companies give them for free it's like the appetizer to what they really want you to to pay for and you get intrigued and you spend the money because of their name their recognition and they gave you a, a taste of what they were going to do um, independently, what I like about independent courses and whatever they're going to charge is nine times out of 10, if they're teaching it, they've already lived through that. And they're truly speaking to a point where they care and they are understanding like currently what you're going through. Right. And so, um, for me, I agree with you about when you spend and you invest, then you you get more value out of it and you like really want to apply because you spent your money. Um, and those larger companies know that, but they also know when they give that their edu their goal, isn't the um, education, their goal is for you to buy the product. So if yeah. they can just tell you about it, then you'll, if they'll give that for free, right? Because you'll go and be like, Oh my God, I want that keratin treatment. And that keratin treatment costs $300. So they paid little me, what, maybe a hundred bucks to teach the class. <laughs> that was like nothing for them. Right. And so I do think that when you are dealing with these independent, um, educators and hairstylists or, you know, uh, the classes they're speaking for a need and right in the thick of what you need to know. And it's worth the money. Yeah, totally. And then one last thing I kind of want to touch on, you have three kids, they're all mm -hmm, spread out. Mm -hmm. So maybe a little bit about juggling mom life and work life and any tips around that? Yeah. So I feel like full transparency. So my kids are 15, 10 and two. So, um, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you know, my 15 year old is in high school. He plays sports. Um, you know, and then you have a little one with the pandemic that is not in school or in daycare. So she's home with me or my husband all the time. So really when it comes to balance, I can't say that there is balance. <laughs> it's like, what am I focusing on this day, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
and giving myself a break and allowing myself to breathe in a sense that when I, um, cause you know, like you said, I wear many hats. I'm a um, cosmetology instructor. I am behind the chair. I'm a business coach and I'm educating for a company, but I literally schedule time out for those things. And then I tell myself, this is my cutoff. And I have to stay true to that. And sometimes it's frustrating because when you're starting something new, like business coaching, I like have drive. I want to do it. Like I want to get it done. Um, But I listened to a podcast recently that talked about, it's called Expert Edge. And it talked about when you're a goal-oriented person, you need to make your family one of the goals. And so it was like a light bulb went out because when someone tells me to listen, my goals. I'm like, yeah, I want to have a, I want to be a successful business coach and teaching hairstylists how to live their lives. And it's like business, 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 Mm -hmm. business. And never, I want to be a present parent. You know what I mean? I want to be able to, um, when my son starts playing basketball games, but I want to be able to go to his basketball games and not feel rushed. Or I don't want to resent my child when they stop me to ask for dinner and I'm in the middle of creating my course, right? Like I, I had to put them in my goals because then I work just as hard for my business than I do from, as I do for my children and reflipping that, right? Like, no, you need to work more for your children and not for your business. So I feel like lately I've been thinking like, man, balance is really out the window. <laughs> because, you know, I need to lean into one thing at a time. And, um, and that could be within the day, or mm-hmm. that could be a week thing. And then there's times where I have to go hard, and I have to buckle down. And I'll tell my husband, like, this is my focus time this week. So I won't be cooking, there's no laundry going to be done. And I can't take anyone anywhere. You know, and he respects that because he's an entrepreneur and he has his moments where he has to do that. So it's a, it's a, it's a dance and it's a juggle and you just have to lean into one thing at a time and realize that if other people are, um, moving faster than you, you know how like you'll measure your success based on like, if you graduated with people and they're like, they're busier than me or whatever, um, don't do that <laughs> because there's always <laughs> there's always gonna be someone who's ahead of you, right? Sure. And um what's for you is for you and it will come to you at the perfect timing when you're ready to accept those things. And so how I am able to juggle the lives of myself and my family is I constantly do a dance, but I do I am pretty structured in my day. And then having to let go of some of that structure sometimes too. So like I said, it's a dance. There's no right or wrong way to do it. I love that. That's such good advice. I, yeah, I feel like sometimes we compartmentalize these different things in our life, but at the end of the day, it's all our life, all of it, you know, and, and yeah, yeah. the priorities, whether they have to be day to day and just communicating with whoever needs to know, like, this is what I'm doing. This is what's going on. I think that support is really hugely helpful mm-hmm. too. Absolutely. So um, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram as uh, Deandra Giselle. Um, And inside of that, um, 
there is on my uh, bio, there's actually a private group for hairstylists or beauty professionals called Glampreneurs. And there, that's when we get like really raw about what we're going through. Like, you know, what it's really looking like. And it's private. It's just for beauty professionals. So we can be honest, even if we're upset about a client, like we can just put it on there and you get feedback from myself and other members. Um, and so I encourage you guys to join, but Instagram, Deandra Giselle on all social media platforms, as well as my um, website is deandragiselle.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here. We'll link everything um, below so you can get access to all, all things Deandra and get in her field. <laughs> so amazing. Thank you. Alrighty, and we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. If you liked it, and I know you did, please don't forget to leave a five-star review. I love hearing from other stylists, so take a screenshot of the episode and tag me in it at Mindful Hair by Emily. If you have a story to share and would like to be on a future episode, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. We'll see you guys next Monday with more Stories with Stylists.